God thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plague, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Shouts of Grace Center brings you pure and undiluted word of God from the impeccable throne of grace. Be blessed as you listen. Father, we honor you this morning. We thank you because you are our Father. We exalt you. Father, we come in your presence this morning with an appointment with destiny. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you speak to us. Let your word come alive. Let grace be released. Give us that word that we need to move from here to where we ought to be in the name of Jesus. We open up our spirits to your word. We receive revelation in our spirit. We receive strength in our inner man. We receive miracles from your presence. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody say, Hallelujah. I want to welcome us this morning to the first service. Our first service is leadership development, business, teachings. It's centered around that. Okay? So last week, Sunday, during the first service, I started talking about components of greatness. And I'm just going to continue from there. But just a quick recap for those who were not around last week. Uh, we looked at the scripture at Genesis chapter 12 and verse 2. God was speaking to Abraham and he said, I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and I will make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. So we see that greatness is part of our destiny because we are also uh, the seeds of Abraham. And every promise that was given to Abraham also belongs to us as much as we have given our lives to Jesus Christ. So we see that God gave him a word right there. And then we also saw that nothing happened as a, a God gave him this promise in Genesis chapter 12. By Genesis 15, Abraham was completely discouraged because nothing has happened. So in verse 2 of Genesis 15, the Bible says, And Abraham said, Lord God, what will thou give me, seeing that I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? In other words, I don't have a child yet, and um, you said I'll be a father of nations and all of that, but I don't even have a son yet. Are you talking about my servant Eliezer to be the, uh, uh, the, the person that will be the heir in my house? He confronted God right there, alright? But in verse 3, and then he said, Behold, so thou hast given me no seed, and no one born in my house is my heir. And so in verse 4 of Genesis 15, God assured him again. He said, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but it that shall come out of thine power shall be thine heir. And so we also established that that which God will do in your life is something that will come out of your bowels. See, the time you spend in the place of prayer, in the presence of God, incubating that greatness 
that which comes from balance. Most of the time, our greatness uh, does not come from things that are outward or things that are external or things we envy or things we observe. Most of the time, your greatness has to do with things in your balance, the things that you incubate from within, the things that rise up from here. That is where your greatness is. And so God was telling Abraham, it's going to come forth out of your balance. And in verse 5 of chapter 15, he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards the heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. In other words, God said, Your problem is that, you know, Abraham said, See, I go childless. He said, What you are saying is wrong. You don't see or observe your situation, but you stay on my word. So God brought him out so that every time when he gets to dark moments of his life, you see, Whenever it's dark in the night, if you look up, something bright will be there. You see, you see stars there. So, in the moments of darkness, when he's depressed and he's thinking, will God really do this? God was telling him, just look up. When you see the stars, then you can remember the number of children I'm going to give you. That if you are able to count those stars, alright? So, that was what we saw last week. So, we established that number one component of greatness is dreaming. It all begins with a dream. And it's okay to dream. I'm not talking of night visions or night dreams here. I'm talking of visualizing, dreaming about your future. It's okay to dream about your wife or your husband while you are still single. I'm not talking of fantasize. I'm not talking of lustful thoughts. I'm talking of dreaming. It's okay to dream about your home, the kind of home you want, the kind of children you want. Uh, the kind of life you want to live. It's okay to just dream. Alright. Now, all of us have dreamt at one point or the other. I'm sure of that. All of us are familiar. Even the smallest of children are dreaming. Uh, you know, Dunamai uh, was telling me something uh, all through last week. I think he saw a particular kind of snacks on Instagram. Waffles or something. And then he just dreamt about it and showed me and said, you know, I'd like to, you know, if it's okay for me to take this to school every day. And I said, well, I said, you will soon finish secondary school, uh, graduate from university, get married, start working, and then come buy waffles every day. You know, but that's a dream he was having right there. And then he started talking, he said, you know, people that eat this kind of thing, they get fat. And I didn't want you to get fat, baby. You know, you look good like this, you know. So, no, that's part of dream. I remember when I was a young little boy, like, I had a lot of dreams. You know, uh, there, there's, some, there's some kind of things you see. You would really want them. And then you dream about them. Now, you, when you grow older and then you can afford them, you're not really interested again. Because it's just, those were just childhood dreams. Alright? So, we, we have uh, this, this dream. We, we know about it. All of us have dreamt. So, but what I want to teach us, I started teaching us last week, is that the important thing here is putting a structure around your dream. It's not enough to dream. Most of us will wonder why, well, I dream and nothing has happened. But did you put a structure around your dream? If you don't put a dream, uh, if you don't put a structure around your dream, that dream will remain inside your diary for a long time. And the diary will gather dust on top of the shelf. For a long time so the idea here is not just to dream ah 
Okay, look at Joseph, for example. He had a dream. But for that dream to materialize, he had to be in Egypt. He had to be in Egypt. So, he was sold into slavery, went to Potiphar's house. From Potiphar's house, went to, uh, he went to the pit first. That's letter P. Then from pit to Potiphar's house, that's another letter P. And from Potiphar's house to prison, that's another letter P. You almost think letter P is caused until he got to another letter P, which is the palace. So, you see, God was trying to use the situations to make him arrive in the place where he wanted him to be. So, the, the, the important thing here is that after you have dreamt, what structure have you put around your dream? Very important. I told us last week that time is a system. The day is a system. The night is a system. Months are system. Weeks are system. There are rotations, and God is a God of rotation. He's a spinning God. The Bible says His eyes move to and fro, looking for whom He will bless. All right. So um, you discipline yourself to do certain things to arrive at particular results. If you live your life without making decisions, nothing is going to change. You can as well write that down. If you live your life without making decisions, nothing will change. I mean, you could listen to a very powerful man of God, beautiful message, and say, wow, oh my God, ah, I'm changed, I'm impacted. And then you go home. If you do not make the decision or take decisions, active, deliberate, conscious decisions, that is the end. Of that message. The only thing you remember will, will be it was a powerful message. But what the man intended with that message, did it happen in your life? The answer will be no. For there to be a measurable growth, there has to be decisions. There has to be decisions that you make. So for me, when I'm listening to messages, I'm listening in two dimensions. I'm listening and I'm jotting down. That's part one. Ah, okay. Ah, what scripture did you say? Isaiah 55. All right, write it down. Ah, Kino saw me about Isaiah 22. And then you wrote, you, you've written all those things down. Ask yourself what you do with those things. Do you even try to open them again at home? Most of us don't. Some of us, if I asked us the message two weeks ago, you know, you won't remember until you open your diary. That means that message did not go into your heart. It just stayed in your diary. If I call any of you, I say, oh, there was a message I did sometimes back on baggages. Can you give us a recap? If you can't, that message never entered. So, how do you make a message to go in? Decisions. So as you are jotting down what you are listening to, on, on one side of your jotter or your tab, just divide it and put action plans. And be writing down the actions you need to take. Then after the message, you now visit your diary and sit down. Number one action plan, do this. So how do I start doing this from tomorrow? Are you with me? That's how changes occur. Because some of you might be wondering, but just listen to all these things. I can't see any change. So you build systems. So I asked us, I said, what is the system around your spiritual life? 
lugari you ask the question when so you want to ask questions like when do you pray go to the next slide okay i didn't put it there. okay listen to this when do you pray when do you fast when do you read the bible when do you talk to god when do you meditate if you answer those questions successfully there's a system around your spiritual life that i pray 4 a.m every day that's a system there i fast once a week myself and my fiance will fast once a week that's a system there and those systems are necessary you know what god doesn't want this kind of boys brigade approach it's when things collapse he doesn't say, ah, I have to go for three days fasting. Mm -mm. God wants a relationship. You see, when you have a car, you have four tires, right? Then you have an extra tire. You see, you don't have a relationship with that extra tire. What you have a relationship with is those four tires on the road. Because that's, that's what you use every time. Do you know you can forget extra tire for one year? If you have a good car. Sometimes two years. The forward car I was using, that SUV. I don't think I used the extra tire more than four or five times. In the entire four or five years I used that car. I, I sometimes forget that I have it. I remember a time when I had a flat tire. You know, I was practically new. I was, I was practically trying to remember, do I even have extra tire? Because it's just there. And then I have to remember, I have okay, but Honestly, it's under that place, but I never go there. Why? Most of us want to treat God like extra time. So when you are in crisis, then you go, you go on the mountain. When there is, when everything is going well, you have your finances is good, you don't pray. When there's problem, God, you fast. God doesn't want that kind of arrangement. Of course, He answers you by His mercy, but what He wants is a relationship, a daily thing. Are you with me? A daily thing. Come on, say a daily thing. Everyday thing. That's what God wants. God doesn't want you to treat him as a side chick. Your life is the main chick, main wife. Then God is the side chick that you visit once in a while. No, that's not God. As a matter of God, as a matter of fact, God doesn't want to arrange your life and then put him somewhere there. No. God wants you to arrange your life in him. Are you following me? Then I talked about the system around your family. How do you constantly express love to your spouse if you are married? How do you reach out to your children? Very important. What is your system when it comes to your finances? How do you prioritize tithe? Tithe is not 10%. Tithe is first 10%. If I have 5,000 naira and I want to quickly bath, I need to pay my tithe before I bath. Do you get what I'm saying? I need to transfer. It's the first 10%. The first. That's what tithe is. Are you saying 
If I paid my tithe after God will not accept me, it will, but the honor enticing is that you give God his own first, his honor. When you honor God like that, God will honor you and ensure that that money does not finish. When I mean does not finish, it will be enough for whatever you want. And devourers will be rebuilt. You won't lose money. You won't buy something for 1000 when the actual cost is 200 naira. All those things will be safeguarded. Because you are enticed. It's a covenant. So you treat God with honor. One of the things I'm going to, topic I'm going to teach very soon is the law of honor. That in life, if you don't understand how to honor God and honor those who are above you, your spiritual parents, your biological parents, blessings will be far from certain person. If you know how to honor God, you don't even need to pray a lot. I'm sorry, if you know how to honor God and honor those above you, you don't need to pray too much. A lot of beautiful things will just happen. And it's, it's, that's when lines will fall upon you in pleasant places. When you break the law of honor, it's called honor code. When you break it, that person will suffer. Even though he's a child of God. Yeah. He's praying, he's starting his way. Because of honor. The law of honor protects you and shields you from the vicissitudes of life. Unnecessary affliction will not come near you. Because of honor. John the Baptist became offended. He was arrested and he felt Jesus is there. I'm in the prison. He can't even do anything. This was a man that said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He was a foreigner. He now told the disciples, Go and ask him whether it's, the, it's really the Jesus we are expecting or we should expect another one. What an insultive so the moment he dishonored, because he himself said, I must decrease and he must increase. So he had a revelation of who Jesus is. The moment he dishonored his head, his physical head went falling. A mere daughter of a woman said, give me his head on a tree. And that was the end of John the Baptist. Do you know how, how anointed he was? He was anointed. The Bible says the multitudes went to meet him in the wilderness. Do you know what it means? Go and start a church in the wilderness. They came to meet him. And even when they came, he did not give them any welcome. There was no usher. He said, behold, you snakes, you vipers. And they were still coming. If you come to church and say you are all snakes, vipers, some of you will not come back. Yes, sir. John the Baptist was anointed. He said, You snakes, you vipers. He was anointed. He was a prophet of the Lord. It takes a prophetic anointing to abuse people, and the people will still stay. In this generation, you abuse people. That's, they, will say they look for a next church there. So now the people left town to come and meet you in the wilderness. On top of that, you abused them. Because he was anointed for that. 
And then at the end of the day, he said, he said, is, is it the one? Go and ask him. Whether it's the one or we should expect another. Because it was in a low moment of his life. So Jesus Christ said, go and tell him that the blind are seen. The lame are walking. If that's what he wants to know. But the moment he dishonored his head, something happened in the realm of the spirit. He became naked. The prophet that all of the kings and the entire people feared. Somebody asked for his head in the dream. And God watched him until that head was removed without intervention. Or you think God wouldn't have sent his angel, his prophet? God did nothing because the unknown code has been broken. Are you following me? I'm telling you things that will, that will make you suffer in life. Tell me the truth. He said, no, 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 I don't need any head. No, 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 we know these things. Oh, my God. You don't break on. Reverend George was preaching somewhere. Uh, some guys said, what are you saying? This is what the Bible said. They pushed their Bible. Like, this is what the Bible said. What are you saying? It was an interruption. It was a, it was a dishonor. During this they left the meeting they were going. Between Kuti All and Queens, thunderstruck, two of them. They died. They made their corpse on the floor. Corpse here by the hair. And the law of honor. Don't, don't dishonor God and don't dishonor man. Reverend George was, one of God was telling us this story. He was living in a rented house and the man said he needed to use his house. I said, okay, give me some time. The man went to carry a caterpillar and pulled down the house. As they were pulling down the house, the man had to be carrying his things out. It was an embarrassment. Sent him out, shamefully. Built another house and that's that man of God went there and touched the wall. He said, no man lives here. I get it. A beautiful house. So, they got a tenant into the house in the night. Their very first night in the house. They started hearing noises. Oh, oh. They went outside. They didn't see anything. They went back. After about three days, they left because the noise won't stop. They got another fresh tenant, same experience. For 12 years, nobody could live in that house because the honor code was broken. One man came to me. I was newly a pastor, he was a young pastor. Came to me. He was trying to date somebody in the, in the fellowship in those days while I was pastor. I, I was not up to six months as a pastor. He was trying to date somebody and I discovered through a revelation. I dreamt and I saw the arrangement that, you know, that they were sleeping together with this girl who was the head of prayer. So I challenged the girl. So she owned up. They were not married. They were sleeping together. So I called the man. I said, I don't want you to do this to this lady. 
to stop this. And he got angry that who am I? He was obviously older than me. Who am I? You know, who am I? Who am I? He's, I will finish you. I will run you out of this town. He said a lot of things. Uh, you know, answer. He, he sells cars. He used to bring cars from Putin. He was struggling. His car somersaulted over 18 times. He nearly died. He didn't see him for a long time. He came back. He came back. He said, Ah, Pastor. Mufili, Mufili. I released me. I didn't do anything. I have not done anything. He said, No. Or one year, I forgive you. I didn't do anything. But you know, the scripture says, I will fight you if I fight you. Are you following? Honor is very important. So you honor God with your tithing by giving Him the first word. Force 10%. What did I say? Do you regularly honor your pastor with your substance? Why should you do that? Growing up as a pastor, this is what we are taught, and this is what I still do. No matter how little that I had then, I will set something apart. After I pay my tithe, I will set something apart and give to my pastor and ask him to bless me. Okay? Because the Bible says, he that is taught, this is the Bible, should communicate back to him that teaches. It is a law in the scripture that if you obey, God will honor you everything. Are you following? When I see that my finances are going down, you know what I do? Package my offerings. Even if I've done it once, I send to my pastors. They're sent to them. It's, it's law of preservation. Because the scripture says, He that scattereth increaseth, but he that withholdeth more than his meat tendeth to poverty. So God sees it as a fraud. If you are constantly learning in a house, you belong to that house. You are learning, you are being taught, and you don't give back in any way. God sees that as spiritual fraud. If you read your Bible well, you understand what I'm saying. And I'm not, sincerely, I'm not trying to say it because I want you to give me money. Is you all, most of you won't be in this church for life. I hope you know that. And but when you get to where you are going, whoever your pastor is, you honor him. That's the way it is. That's the scripture. It's not because your pastor is hungry. Because that's the mistake we often make. Ah, between me and pastor, we who has more money. Well, if all of us now come to be, you are calculating. I'm talking of scripture. You said, no, you see, God knows your purse. You know, yeah, you know, somebody came to me and said, Pastor, you know, the reason I, I can't give now is because it's small. God really doesn't, he's not interested in the amount you give. He's interested in the gesture, the obedience, the willingness. So the more you give, the more he puts more into your hands. And the power behind Tyson 
honoring your pastor, giving your offerings, is in the consistency, not the one you do once in a blue moon. I once in six months, we call G. Ah! No, no, no. no. The, just like your devotional life. The power of your devotional life is in the consistency. Not the one you, you go and pray 10 hours in the mountain once in three months. Who is interested in that? God wants a relationship. Not the kind of, I need this, let me get this. No! Are you following me here? So, every believer, every child of God should know that month's end, I honor God with my tithes, I honor my pastor. And the third thing I said, which is part of what I would say, save something. Either 5% or 10%. Put it in your savings. It's good. It may look small, but over time, it's going to be something. Are you following me? It's important. Do those three things. Tithe, honor your pastor, save. Every month. Beat that system into your fibers. Let it, let it become a system that you can't forget. Are you following? I told you I have somebody above me. Every month, I make sure I take a bag of rice to him. Why am I doing that? God asked me to do it. Is it convenient? Not really. But you see, when, when God ministers to you how to do something, He's not asking you to do it out of convenience. He's asking you to do it so that it will be convenient for you. It's for the future. Every time God talks to you about seed in your hand, there is a need He wants to meet ahead. When you disobey, that need will show up and one will have to run around borrowing money, scampering around and sounding like this thing doesn't work. But if you had followed God and obey, it will always work. Because he said, he will supply all your need according to his riches and glory. But most of these things are tied to obedience. So you want to listen. Right? Somebody tells you, give to your pastor, or give to that person, or give to that person. He says, I rebuke you, devil. It can't be the devil. The devil would never suggest to you to give. Never. Are you following me here? So those are the things you do to preserve your destiny. Alright? So you prioritize your financial system. What of your parents? You honor your parents regularly. My uncle, you know, went for my dad's 80th birthday. Uh, last, was it last Sunday? 20th of September. It was 82. And then he went to celebrate with him, just to greet him, give him some things. And one of my uncles was there. That's my dad's junior brother. The guy, the man was a, was a millionaire. It's about the richest in the extended family. Extremely wealthy. Several houses and all that. My, he says how my dad, they live, just, they built his house beside my dad. So they, they were just, they are neighbors. It was my dad's younger brother. So he was there. He, he, he worked for a large number of years in an oil company before he retired. And you know oil companies, they continue to pay until you die. Your exact salary. After leaving, they pay you till you die. So it was comfortable and it was good. So it was, he now told us his story. He said, he said it was just a primary school teacher. It was my dad that brought him up, you know, and all of that, sent him to school. He said it was a primary school teacher in Lagos. He was telling me how somebody asked him to come and buy a land in, in Shomolu for 700 naira and he refused to buy. 
What if he has bought them? What would you like? <laughs> he said he didn't buy it, but he felt, what do I need it for? Just a young man, you know. So he was a primary school teacher until somebody just called him from the blues and said, bring your CV and all of that. And before you knew it, he was in another company. But he told me his story. While he was doing his teaching, this teaching job they do in a particular village, he lived in a particular house. Now, the landlord of that house does not live in the house, but the, the father of the landlord was living in that house. And the father of the landlord is an old man in his 70s. No older person to take care of him. He was doing his own things by himself, like wash clothes and all of that. He said, he just felt like, ah, at Balad Babai. So he would help him to wash clothes, help him to do his food sometimes, wash plates, tidy the house. He said he felt the man was too old to even know anybody was helping him. He didn't know the man was a problem. So the man called his son. He said, one of your tenants here is my son. I have another son here that God just gave me. So that one came said, let me come and meet the son that I want to take over from you. So that one came and said, oh, okay, uh, thank you, we appreciate you. He said, from today, don't pay rent again. He said, from today, please move out of this downstairs, go upstairs. But that was not the, the way I'm going. Where I'm going was, he said, one day, a few months before the man passed away, he said, the man called him to school. I said, you are going to sleep with me tonight. I said, no problem. And he said, you should bend down between his knees and then began to pray for him. He said, one of the prayers he prayed. You know, when he was telling me, I had goose pimples. He said, one of the prayers people for him is, Oh, no, wow, what? If you don't understand your Bible, it means you will not lack money. He said, Oh, no, wow, what? It's your idea. That's what he asked. He said, He slept under the man's knees for that particular night. Several months, a few months after the man died. He left that place, went to Lagos, was doing teaching in a primary school. For six years before somebody called him out of the house. From grade two, not graduate to grade two teaching all to oil company. He's the richest in our extended family. Optimal. Wealthy. And I look at him, he's not born again like we are. Optimal. He goes to church, but he's not a born again Christian. He's just a orthodox professing Christian. But he understood honor. And out of honor. So the law of honor does not answer to Christians. It answers to anybody. It's just like the law of seed, time, and harvest. It's not for Christians. If a Muslim fulfills that law, seed, time, and harvest, there will be money. And Muslims understand that even. That's why they do arms giving. See them drive around where beggars are. Matthew. You say, are ritualists. No. Not all of them are ritualists. Just arms giving. He that scattereth. It's a law. He that scattereth in Christian. He that withholdeth more than his meat tended to poverty. So you do like this. You refuse to give offering. You don't honor your pastor. You don't do your. He's suffering. And you'll be praying. I wonder is this thing working? Oh, you're breaking the laws. You don't 
don't break the laws. It's called the law of honor. That's the law of honor. My, my, my first pastor that I worked with, we had an altercation just before I left that, you know, we didn't part well. But God spoke to me. He said, go back and apologize. I said, I, I wasn't the one that did wrong. Everybody knows that he's my pastor. And God said, I said, go back. So I went back and I prostrated flat. I said, I'm sorry, sir. He said, for what? I said, no, I'm just prostrated. Um, my second pastorate, when I left, you know, I was in Lagos for a while. And uh, somebody had a dream and, and called my wife. I had a dream. I said, what, What's the dream about? And my wife wasn't working in Lagos. I said, What's the dream about? He said, He saw my pastor that they were, they were walking, and he saw Pastor Sophia wearing the trousers, but the trousers was not reaching the floor. And he said, the pastor said, ah, don't worry. He said, have value, have value, have value. I said, eh. so I went to meet my pastor. I prostrated. I said, I'm sorry. He said, for what? You don't offend me. I said, I'm, I just want to prostrate. He said, no, there is nothing. I said, I know. I'm just apologizing ahead in case if there is. <laughs> and then he prayed for us. Then we go back to Lagos and got it. It's called honor. Nothing more than. As, as a child of God, you don't do it. No, no. Ah, you suffering. No. You honor God, you honor your parents, and you honor your pastors. If I let me tell you something, he is better to be easygoing, gentle person with all these people I've mentioned. God, your parents, and your pastor. Yes, sir. It's okay for your life to move forward. Are you following me? We were in a bus one day. No, I wasn't with them, but uh, I, I was well, having the funeral of my grandma. So in my, in my school, we have a large hall where I live. So they, they were going to visit me, you know, and be part of the ceremony and all of that. So they were coming in the bus. They were telling me later what happened. So they were in the bus and, you know, it, it was just one old man in the bus and then all these guys. And you know, university students, funny guys, they started abusing the man. Not directly, indirectly. And the man was listening. When they were about to get, just before they got to where they were going, the man, like, he was using artificial teeth. He removed it. It was going to cost them. Take a inside the bus. It was when they quickly put, ah, no, and he called, ah, and the man had the second set. It was just going to cost them. You see, every man you see is a spirit, but we are all spirits. Spirits. And there are people that God has placed this anointing on. They may be small. You might even be older than them. Honor them. Give them honor. Are you following me? One person was telling us what happened. Uh, that he observed himself. 
you know all this when you travel when you see some people hold uh, a bush that they want to buy so this man was there and he was pricing this bush meat. So these young men came because they were bankers, they parked. They saw somebody already pricing it. But it's only one. Is that much? The vector for the one thousand Amazon to five. The man did not even understand English. Okay, I'm already trying to buy these things. Say Baba, don't worry, we'll give you and they're going to just twist the man like that. So they paid the man, took the bush meat and they were And he looked at and said, Oh, 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 you in it down. And your car will not start. So they went inside their car. You know all those cars they give bankers? Brand new cars. Toyota. After about 10 minutes, they came down and frustrated. Sorry. The bush meat, extra money. Take everything. The man smiled. Oh, that no, how can you down? The man is a prophet. I was here as a prophet. <laughs> Alright, so financial system, your parents, then have a system for savings. How do you buy and replenish things in the house? Do you have a money diary where you keep a record of the things, uh, your expenses? If you have a record of your expenses, it's going to help you at the end of the month to know where your money is going. To, it will bring a lot of order into your life. By the time you see Coca-Cola, 1,200. Total food, 150 naira. It will tell you something. Uh, I need to borrow myself some sense. Okay? So a money diary is important. Money that is also important for you to know how much God is blessing you. Because what we do most times is we look at the money remaining with us at the end of the month. We say, there's nothing much this month. No, go and look at your expenses. Look at the things you did. While I was a pastor earning 4,000 naira, I had the money diary I keep. While I was thinking in my mind that I'm not blessed financially because I'm looking at my salary 4,000 naira. I kept money diary for one month. At the end of the month, I had expended over 170,000. Personal, family, fees, and all of that. This was around 2004. And I had to tell my wife, like, God is really blessing us. We just don't know and we're not appreciating it. Try and keep your money diary for one month and somewhere else. Alright? It's going to help you. My time is up. Let me let me just finish this system and then we close so that from next Sunday I will forget. What's your system at work? Do you keep telling yourself that you have too much work to do or you are just too lazy to put a system to work? A lack of systemic approach to work will make you frustrated because you are chaotic in your approach to work. So you create a system around your work. That means you are not sleeping by 10 a.m. in the morning. That's work time. Unless you had a vigil. If you don't have a vigil, you don't have any business sleeping by 10 a.m. Taking your bath by 1 p.m. Really? 
You say, because I'm not, I don't have a regular job yet. No, no, don't train your body like that. Whether you have a regular job or not, take your bath, normal time in the morning, 7 o'clock, dress like you are going to work, and sit down, focus, and let God bring ideas into your mind. How will idea flow into your mind while sleeping 10 a.m.? Should uh, you stick your mouth by 11, or Nollywood uh, by 12 o'clock, and then, no, you can't live your life like that. There must be a system. Then I said, what is your system around relationship? Who is your mentor? Who is your mentor? Let me stop here because I'm supposed to explain this mentorship a lot. So when we talk about who is your mentor, say, ah, Pastor Dunamis is your mentor. Are you sure? I know I have several members in church. We have several members. But my protégés, small number. You know why I said that? Being a member does not make your pastor a mentor. There has to be a conscious agreement between you and your protege. Pastor, I'd like you to mentor me. Okay, so there has to be time you see regularly to talk, to buy wisdom. It's important to ask questions. Because in life, what you get from the pupils is just something for you to work with. It's not really enough in that sense. And most of the practical wisdom that is fine-tuned to you on a personal level may not come via pupils. Sometimes there will be, yeah, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and all of that. But talking of practical wisdom that is tailored to your person, it requires a sitting down and using questions to bring out wisdom. And if you have studied me as your pastor, you will know that I don't know how to talk without soliciting. You know, some people can do that really. They just visit them and they are preaching the sermon. You know, some people are like that. You just visit them and they are like, you know, in Genesis, I don't, I don't know how to do that. But if you ask a question, then the wisdom will flow. If you come to my house, honestly, you can watch him for two hours, no question. If you don't ask, I may not probe. I don't know how to probe. It's the protege Okay, that would draw wisdom out of that well. If you come to my house and say you want to watch Jackie Chan, I'll put it for you. Watch him together. Cool. If you come and you ask questions, oh yeah, there will be a lot of wisdom there. So there's a way you have to learn how to use questions to draw wisdom that you need in your life. Don't have a surface relationship with the pastor. Ah, pastor, ah, we like that. And that's all. Sunday after Sunday. Have some time of deep interaction, asking questions. That's mentoring session. That's discipleship. And everybody needs that. Are you following? I'm going to stop here and then we'll continue this message next Sunday in the first service. Can we stand up? See why you shouldn't miss church. So the, the message is a progression. Uh, I, myself, I never knew it's going to take this long, this particular message. But I see God bringing out a lot of things within the message that is relevant to us. And it's important we flow with the Holy Spirit of God. Can you talk to God this morning about what you just heard? That God will help you to make 
concrete decisions in your life, decisions that will advance your life, decisions that will change your lives. God will give you that enablement, grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship, we worship. If you are here this morning and you have not given your life to Jesus, I would like to present us an opportunity to do so. It is the greatest decision you will ever take in your life. If you are making that decision this morning, say after me, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I accept you as my Lord and personal Savior. I declare you died for my sin. You rose up on a third day. From today, I'm a new creature. All things have passed away. All things have become new. In Jesus' name. Congratulations if you prayed that prayer. Welcome to the body of Christ. Welcome to God's kingdom. Please kindly leave a comment or send us a message on any of our social media handles so that we can send you the relevant materials. God bless you. This message is brought to you by Junamis and Sophia and part of the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, Shouts of Good Center, and Kisses and Hopes Club, an online ministry to singles and married couples. Connect with us on Instagram at Pastor Junamis, at Pastor Sophia Bola, at Shouts of Grace Center, at KC underscore global, on Facebook at KC Global. On Mixlr at KHC Global. Visit our website www.kcsandhawks.com. Via our mail at kcpartners at gmail.com. To partner with us, kissesandhawks.com slash partnership. God bless you.